You're entering Outer Brightness. Okay, welcome Fireflies to this episode of the Outer Brightness podcast. So today we are going to kind of do a recap over the past year and the articles of faith that we have addressed in our podcast episodes. So we've done uh, quite a few of the articles of faith of the LDS Church and we've addressed them as we understood as Latter-day Saints and also how we view these particular topics now as born-again Christians. So we would like to do a kind of recap on all these episodes and share the episodes that really spoke to us or that we really enjoyed most, share our favorite moments and kind of have a discussion that way. So uh, first off, let's, uh, let's go to you, Michael. Do you have any particular episodes that you really enjoyed from the Articles of Faith series that we've been working on? Yeah, one of them that really stuck out to me was our episode about the priesthood. Uh, what about the priesthood? Uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it was one of the first episodes where my wife, Brianna, came onto the uh, podcast and actually joined us. So that was really enjoyable. Um, you know what they say, uh, couples that podcast together stay together. Um, I guess nobody says that. But it's actually kind of funny because like one of the first times she's on, she um, kind of calls me out saying how horrible I am and that I'm such a sinner. But I liked the point that she made in there, which is that God loves me anyway. And if his love is that strong and it's that secure, then why do we need a priesthood to seal us to God? And so I just, I really liked uh, that whole episode because it's such an important topic to discuss with Latter-day Saints. Um, I feel like the priesthood is sort of the alpha and the omega in LDS culture. Um, And so when that gets knocked down, it's like the first domino that knocks down every other single domino that there is. So that is how important the priesthood is to talk about and just really enjoyed going over uh, all the different Bible verses that Latter-day Saints like to point to and really doing a deep dive into the context of all of those and showing that it does not in any way uh, support the LDS story that, uh, the priesthood was lost and now it's been restored or anything like that. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree with that. I really enjoyed our discussion in particular on Hebrews because that was instrumental in my also deconstructing my LDS faith is understanding what the priesthood of Melchizedek really is. That it's something that's not we hold. It's something that Christ holds. Um, and, it, and it's related to his redeeming work, his intercessory work as the savior that he stands between the wrath of God and us. And he takes that wrath upon himself. And so for us to take on that priesthood is, you know, when I really understood that, it's kind of prideful to think, oh, I can take the place that Christ alone is is fit for. So do you have any thoughts on that, Michael? I just, I remember when, when we got to this episode, we actually kind of all talked about the book of Hebrews and how vital that I go back and I read Hebrews now. And 
it is so clear as I read it that Christ alone um, is Christ is our high priest. And there are so many different parallels in there that I see that just make this uh, this comparison to real Christianity versus even Mormonism, because it talks about how the high priest would first, you know, sacrifice for themselves because they were sinners. And it's like the same thing happens in, in the ward too, when they do communion. And I view communion as being sort of the same type of thing. You're, you're doing a sacrifice um, to renew your covenant, you know, so that your covenant is in force again. And the first person that takes the sacrament every single Sunday is the bishop because he's got to take that for his own sin but we've got a high priest who uh, who is alive. And that was one of my favorite points in that episode, too, is he is alive. And so he is able to uh, save us to the uttermost. Um, and, and he doesn't have his own sins to atone for or anything like that. you know. And, and since he saves us to the uttermost, there's no need for anybody to stand in the way. There's no need for a bishop or a priest or a stake president or a prophet or anybody. And so I, I really recommend the book of Hebrews. Um, I feel like if I'd been able to understand that book earlier on in my life, I probably would have come out of the church a lot sooner. Yeah. And I love the way too, how the book of Hebrews ties everything in the old Testament into its fulfillment in the new Testament. It's uh, I've mentioned in that episode, I'm sure, but RC Sproul said that if you were, you know, you ask a Christian, if you were on a desert island, a deserted island, and you couldn't have any book of the Bible, you could only choose one book in the Bible, what would you choose? And he said it would be Hebrews for kind of all the reasons we've talked about that there's just so, it basically lays out the entire plan of God from the beginning to the end and how all the animal sacrifices, all the, the temples, the laws, the commandments are f- fulfilled in Jesus. And so it's, and it's written to a Jewish audience because they understand that context. So yeah, I, I love that book too. And it's like you said, I, I'm the same way when I read it now, I'm like, man, I read this and that, and why didn't I get it? <laughs> I didn't understand. But yeah. just goes to yeah. show that we need uh, we need a new heart and new eyes to, to really understand it. Well, and it's it's hard to read Roman, I mean uh, Hebrew, sorry, as a Latter Day Saint because it seems like every single sentence in Hebrews is just going completely against your religion. So I think when I would read Hebrews, I would kind of my eyes would just glaze over as I read it. Um, I was listening to, um, I was listening to the radio, a Christian radio the other day, and somebody said the same thing. If I was on a desert island, what book would I take? But it was Romans, you know, that they picked. But I think as as ex Latter Day Saints specifically, I think Hebrews just speaks to us um, because as Latter Day Saints, we were so focused on priesthood and on ordinances, and and Hebrews actually covers all of that stuff and and explains how that fits in the new covenant with Christ. And so I really like um, that book and I like how we were able to dive deep into it and talk about the scriptures and and the context surrounding it and everything. So that was a really good episode to me. Yeah, that's great. And we, we both talked about how that understanding salvation by grace alone through faith alone was pivotal to our understanding. Wait, do I really need the LDS priesthood? You know, if I can have everything, if I can have all the blessings in Christ without the priesthood, the LDS priesthood. Why do I need it? <laughs> so, Amen. so uh, Paul, do you have any thoughts on that episode before we turn to you for your favorite episode? Yeah, I thought that was a really important episode as well for all the reasons that you both listed. Um, it's, it might be uh, if, if you were to rank 
the the 13 LDS articles of faith in terms of um, most important to an LDS person's identity. Um, it would probably be probably be number one priesthood and number two um, the Trinity, right? So it'd probably be uh, those two articles of faith that cover those topics because uh, the priesthood, you know, is so integral to how Latter-day Saint males especially uh, see themselves, but also to Latter-day Saint uh, females um, and how they uh, interact with with the LDS church um, and, and how they're uh, taught to have a worthy priesthood holder as part of their home uh, from the time that they're, you know, little little girls. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that one is just so, so vital for LDS to Latter-day Saints to overcome uh, that, that understanding. Um, and Michael, as you were saying, you know, that all of uh, that Hebrews is hard to read for Latter-day Saints. I was like, yeah, not not uh, chapter four, verse five. Uh, other than that, yes, but uh, <laughs> that one stripped from context, they love. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah, that's that's what I would say on that that episode. Yeah, I think that's great. I hope. I actually want to. Now that we've talked about, it, I want to go back and re-listen to those. But uh, yeah, great episode. So hopefully that's been a blessing to the Fireflies and anyone who else is listening. So and we hope to have more episodes like that in the future or that'll really challenge the faith of those who are stalwart or, and maybe encourage those who are struggling and also to kind of help us three uh, with Brianna, also us four kind of challenge ourselves and be willing to re-examine our faith and how we understand the scriptures. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll have more of that in the future. So uh, Paul, are you uh, ready to share your favorite article of faith episode that we did this last year? Yeah, uh, I have three. Um, I think my, my, the first one I would list, and these are in no order, but the first one I would list as a favorite is the Trinity episodes that we did. What about the Trinity uh, based on Article of Faith number one? Uh, the reason, one, one of the main reasons uh, that those episodes are my favorite on my favorite list is because um, the way we tackled those where uh, Michael prepared uh, the notes for our episode uh, and he pulled from his book uh, that he had written when he was a Latter-day Saint apologist, uh, A Biblical Defense of Mormonism. And he pulled questions that he used to pose uh, to Christians as a Latter-day Saint, uh, challenging the doctrine of the Trinity. And so I thought it was kind of a fun way for uh, the three of us, well, the two of us, you and I, Matthew, to get to know Michael's personality uh, and also for our listeners to do the same. Um, and also to kind of witness in, in a fun way, the journey that he's taken from Mormon to Jesus and the, the differences and the changes that, that have come to be in his, uh, doctrinal framework, uh, as a result of that. And so it was fun to kind of tackle that topic in that way. Um, the second one I would list as, as a, as on my list of favorites from the articles of faith episodes, uh, is uh, what about salvation uh, on the second article of faith? Um, the reason I say Trinity and salvation uh, is because those two topics are so critical to Latter-day Saints. Um, and they're critical really to anyone, right? Because the question is, who is God and how do we deal with evil, right? And so um, what about the Trinity? What about salvation? Uh, I think it's so important to understand grace when I first uh, reached the point where I was ready to leave the LDS church and uh, start attending Christian churches um, and, and really kind of asking myself, you know, 
the question, okay, so what, what am I now? Am I, am I a Christian because I was a Latter-day Saint for most of my life? Or am I not yet a Christian? When did I, if I am a Christian, when did I become a Christian? What does that mean? Uh, all of those questions were kind of rattling around in my head and gripping my heart in those months after I left the Latter-day Saint faith. And um, I started reading a lot, uh, a lot of Christian books. Um, and one of the first books that I read uh, during that time uh, is called The Grace, Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll. And uh, it's just a beautiful book. And the way he lays out the doctrine of grace uh, is just, it's really clear. Uh, it's, it's a popular level book. So it's not like heavy uh, doctrinal, heavy, heavy scholarly level book. It's a readable book for anyone. And, um, you know, there's a couple of things that he, that he said that, that we covered in our, in our What About Salvation episode. Uh, partially, and then furthermore in, in our, uh, what about original sin episodes, but he says this, um, learn a little theology. It is vital to understand and appreciate to understanding and appreciating grace. We were born wrong with God. The same sin that Adam introduced has polluted the entire human race. No one is immune to the sin disease and no human accomplishment can erase the internal stain that separates us from God. Um, that's not a doctrine that fits within the Latter-day Saint framework, but it's a doctrine that is critical to understanding grace. Um, and then the, the other quote that I think is just fabulous from uh, Chuck Swindoll, as he says, uh, he's commenting on Romans 6, um, the question that Paul begins that chapter with, are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Uh, and Chuck Swindoll goes on to say, if it is true that where sin abounded, grace has much more abounded, well, then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound yet further? First of all, let me make a comment, to me, a very important and vital comment. The true preaching of the gospel of salvation by grace alone always leads to the possibility of this charge being brought against it. There is no better test as to whether a man is really preaching the New Testament gospel of salvation than this, that some people might misunderstand it and misinterpret it to mean that it really amounts to this, that because you are saved by grace alone, it does not matter at all what you do. You can go on sinning as much as you like because it will redound all the more to the glory of grace. That is a very good test of gospel preaching. If the preaching and presentation of the gospel of salvation does not expose it to that misunderstanding, then it is not the gospel. And when I read that, uh, probably in 2011 timeframe, I mean, it hit me pretty hard because I was at the time... Uh, just freshly out of the LDS church. And I was engaged in trying to uh, preach the gospel to Latter-day Saints. And they constantly came with that charge of cheap grace. Oh, you just think you can sin all you want and you're saved. Um, and I, I began to ask them if they realized that they were asking the exact questions uh, that that the Apostle Paul's accusers threw at him because I don't know that they realize it all the time that they're asking those questions. They should, they're the same questions, um, but it's important. Um, if you're, if your preaching is not subject to the charge of easy believism, simple, you know, uh, cheap grace, uh, you're not preaching the new Testament gospel. And um, wow, that hit me like a ton of bricks when I read that back then. And and so, yeah, what about salvation and what we talked about in those episodes? Really important for Latter-day Saints. And uh, I think uh, that's why it makes my favorite list. And then my third one is uh, what about religious freedom and respect? 
uh, with Jeremy Howard when we had him on. Um, you know, in in conversations with Latter Day Saints, it's it's always a challenge because uh, and I and I when I was a Latter Day Saint, I wrote an email to my mother in law uh, around this time of year, encouraging her to see me as Christian. Let's celebrate Easter together. We both believe in Christ and the resurrection. Um, you know, I, I understand that feeling that a Latter-day Saint has, that desire to be accepted as part of the Christian community. But whether or not you personally or your doctrine is accepted as part of the Christian community is not what matters. Uh, what matters is if, is whether or not you've really had the heart change uh, and 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 are saved by grace alone through Christ alone. And so, um, but but that that question of our Latter-day Saints Christian can be really thorny. Um, because it can throw up roadblocks for Latter-day Saints to listen to us. And so I think Jeremy did a great job talking about uh, the the doctrinal chart that he has uh, separating primary doctrines from secondary and tertiary doctrines. And, uh, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that Christians, uh, regardless of the charge from Latter-day Saints, that Christians are all over the map and, and disagree about all kinds of things, we're aligned on on the primary doctrines who God is, how salvation is obtained, um, and the other primary doctrines, we're, we're aligned on those. And so, um, and, you know, to the contrary, Latter-day Saints are not aligned with Christians on those primary doctrines. There's, there's not agreement on who God is between Christians and Latter-day Saints, and there's not agreement on how salvation is obtained between Christians and Latter-day Saints. So those are key issues. And I think Jeremy did a great job of uh, respectfully kind of laying out where those landmines are, uh, how to have conversations respectfully about them, uh, those types of things. So yeah, those are my those are my three favorites. Were you falling asleep, Michael? That's a great lots of great stuff there, Paul. Thank you. Do you want to fall asleep? <laughs> no, I was just like, oh, I didn't realize we were going through our entire list because I only went through one of my episodes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You know, okay. I can, you know I can't talk short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, no, I I had a lot of the same thoughts that you had when you were listing your favorite episodes, uh, Paul, that those, those episodes were just the first, the first three articles of faith really are just key. Those are just completely different worldview differences between Latter-day Saints and evangelicals. When, when you see God is loving everybody, absolutely the same, that we're all just children of God by, by birth and that we're not really bad. You know, we're, we're born sinless and pure and have no stain or, or in, imputed or inherited guilt from Adam's sin. And that's a completely different worldview change from what the Bible teaches. And it's, it's a hard, it's a hard change to know that we're not automatically children of God and that we have to become adopted. We have to be given the right or the capacity to become children of God through faith. And so, yeah, it's just such key to, to getting through to Latter-day Saints. We, we even just reading, uh, I was, I was reading to my girlfriend's family earlier, the first couple articles of faith, and a Christian might read them and say, you know, okay, almost with presuppositions and understanding from the LDS perspective, that you really have to tackle every single one um, and address it because there's just so different, so radically different. Uh, Michael, did you have any comments on um, the episodes that Paul mentioned? Yeah, uh, I have to say that I really enjoyed that, uh, that Trinity episode two. Um, it was kind of hard for me getting back into that mindset. And it probably wasn't as satisfying, you know, kind of feeling like, like I lost the debate, um, but, you know, to, to Christ's glory. So it's, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I, 
Um, it wasn't fun losing the debate. I came in uh, swinging, not pulling my punches, really trying to trip you guys up. And I was proud of you for coming up with good answers for for my sneaky attacks. Um, I thought just it was a good way to show that there really is nothing that Latter Day Saints can pull out of their pockets. You know, like these, these arguments, no matter how tough they look, there are answers for them. And the Trinity is the stronger doctrine uh, than the LDS Godhead. Uh, did you have any other comments about the other episodes that he mentioned, Paul? You mentioned earlier, uh, what about salvation also, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, about that, I like what you said too, Matthew, that you know all these terms are so loaded. And with a Latter-day Saint, even the word faith means something completely different than what we mean. You know, when we say faith, we are talking about uh, trust, a trust in God, and that that trust, what it does is it imputes Christ's righteousness to us. With a Latter-day Saint, they're going to say, oh, it's an action word, and and faith actually means obedience, and it means uh, moving forward and taking the LDS ordinances and sacraments. I've had Latter-day Saints say that it is a natural evolution. If you have faith, you will go and take the LDS ordinances. And of course, I'm always like, well, how does that make sense? Because I was doing all that and then I left. So how does that reasoning really work? But I like how we we did that episode on what about salvation. Um, I agree with Paul that that's a super important topic to talk about with Latter-day Saints. And I love how we followed it up with the next article of faith. And we really went into every single point um, just super deep. That was actually one of my, one of the ones I listed as one of my favorites was the sacrament, you know, just going, going into that. And I learned so much about the different positions and, you know, uh, real presence and just the, the different stances on that. So I uh, definitely recommend those episodes to anybody who is uh, really wanting to get in deep with the theology and is nerdy enough to, uh, to get in and, and get into the theology because we got into it really heavy there. Um, and of course I enjoyed talking to Jeremy Howard as well. So yeah, all of those episodes were good episodes. Yeah, for sure. I think along the lines of the religious freedom episode with Jeremy Howard talking about how to share the faith, Latter-day Saints, I think our episode with Jordan Rittmeyer was right along those lines as well about one of his comments was saying that a lot of times the Christians, when we're sharing the faith, we try to tell them we, we, instead of asking Latter-day Saints, what they believe, we say, well, your church teaches this and it's wrong. And so he kind of said, we should be asking them what they believe. And if it's correct, then go with it and then move on and, and, you know, build off of that. And I thought that was an interesting way to think about it because I hadn't really tried to do that. Um, it's something I could still work on also when talking to Latter-day Saints, instead of trying to be like, well, your church teaches this instead of making it more inviting and try to have a conversation with them. Um, yeah. And, and episode of the episode I think I'm frozen again, guys. Time. He's timeless. Wow, I got kicked out there, guys, completely. Uh, Excommunicated from Zoom. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Timer's still where it should be. It says we're recording, so hopefully we didn't lose anything at the end of this. What was the last thing you remember hearing? Uh, you were talking, Matthew. Um you were responding to what Michael had said about us getting really deep in theology, theologically uh, on each of the sacraments, but I don't remember. Wasn't that 10 minutes ago? Was it that long ago? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it was that long ago, but yeah, I, I froze up again and then I got kicked out completely. So, Did you, did you hear me talking about Jordan Rittmeyer? No, not at all. 
So it wasn't that long, right? It was only like a minute or something. Yeah, it wasn't too long. Okay, it was probably right before I brought up Jordan Rittmeyer. Yeah, I'm just hoping that even though I was frozen, the recording picked everything up. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, so just to kind of summarize, yeah, the the episode with Jeremy Howard and Jordan Rittmeyer, I think those were both great. Those kind of go hand in hand mm-hmm. with helping helping Christians to know how to talk to Latter-day Saint friends, how to share the gospel and to start the conversation without being overly abrasive or offensive. So those are really great. And I think those go, go well together. Um, yeah. So Michael, did you have, did you have another episode you'd like to introduce? Yeah. The, the third one that I had on my list was actually uh, one that we did recently. And that was what about the gathering? And it was, it was kind of fun going back and revisiting it because as a Christian, it's not something that I even had on my radar anymore. It was one of those things that I just threw out the baby with the bath water. And so it was, it was kind of nice going back and talking about it. I enjoyed uh, hearing about some of the old LDS beliefs and mythology from, uh, from Paul Nurnberg talking about how the, uh, the, the lost tribes of Israel came from the North pole. So that was something I'd never heard of in my life. Um, and also kind of like hearing some of those those quotes like they we finally found you know it took forever to find that quote from joseph smith but saying that uh that our blood actually changes into the blood of an israelite Uh, what's kind of interesting about that is if our blood is changing then it's no longer adoption is it it's uh it's literal um descendancy if that's a word um, so I thought that was I thought that was really interesting. Um, kind of talked to some Latter Day Saints after the fact and asked them their thoughts, and it does not seem to be uh, congruent with current Latter Day Saint belief, but it is there. And then I just just thought it was fascinating too that you know early on the church was all about gathering. It was all about going to Missouri and how their language has changed and it's no longer about we're going to pack up and go. It is about staying strong where you are. It's about blooming where you're planted or lifting where you stand and holding the priesthood. And it's like, it's all about holding the line. And it's just interesting how there's been a a drift in, in doctrine. And I like talking about, about all those things and about what tribes of Israel we were all supposedly from so i i thought that was a fun episode yeah i agree during that episode i was trying to find yeah, I my... to, when i was coming back into go ahead go ahead <laughs> i was no no, uh... no go ahead you're <laughs> you already had it started good i think i'm out of the lane now um yeah i i enjoyed that episode as well and, and michael you had said your patriarchal blessing says that you're from the tribe of ephraim uh by blood right well, it says by blood or by adoption. So it's kind of like, it didn't know. So you choose. <laughs> yeah, so I'm choosing blood. Obviously, I'm a blood descendant. You okay. can tell just by looking at me. <laughs> yeah, so I was trying to find mine because I, when you said that, I was like, I don't remember if mine said anything about blood or adoption. Um, so I did finally find it. Uh, and it, it says that I'm of the tribe of Ephraim. Uh, it doesn't say by blood or adoption. It does later say that you are a rightful heir uh, of the priesthood. Um, so I don't know if that means by blood or not. But uh, yeah, it it was an interesting episode. I enjoyed kind of digging into that. And and we had some fun in the editing. So I think the Fireflies will enjoy that. Yep. Um, but 
But yeah, that's, that's I agree. That's a, that's a good episode. And, and you're right, Michael, it was, it was fun to kind of dig back into it because as you're right, as a Christian, uh, the gathering of Israel, um, it's not really, uh, it's not really a key part of, of Christian doctrine. Yeah. And so I was going to say, I, I do have bad news for you and maybe this isn't the time to say it, but I think you were adopted. Really? Man. Into Ephraim. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you're probably right uh, about that. Um, that just that just means that uh, they chose Paul and they're stuck with you, Michael. Oh. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you, buddy. You know, oh, I, he at gets least, it back. At least somebody, at least somebody chose to marry me. So, <laughs> well, if you wouldn't keep going back in time and telling him not to, I'd be I'd be hitched by now. Fifty? What was it? Fifty women? No, I said three. <laughs> three women that I told not to marry you. <laughs> yeah, no, earlier I was just going to say that I, I knew about that quote from Joseph Smith where he said that it literally changes your blood and it was in teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, but I didn't have it. And I found it was in the other room. And if I, if I had it, the physical copy, I would have found it, but I was trying to go through like a weird PDF copy or something. <laughs> so I couldn't find it, but yeah, no, I'm great. I'm glad we found it, even though it took us like 20 minutes. Cause I always found that was interesting. Nobody ever talks about it in the church, but it's something he said. So. Only two minutes in editing. It's in there. It was probably totally worth the 20 minutes. Though. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Uh, was, was that all the episodes that you had, Michael? Yeah, that's that's all the ones that I have. And Paul, you went through the ones you wanted to? Yes, I did. So what about uh, you, Yeah, I, I was going to I was gonna say basically um, the ones that I thought were maybe not the most interesting or the ones that left the biggest impression on me, but I thought were just core were the ones on the Trinity, as we already talked about. Also, Salvation, of course but also original sin and scripture. Uh, I think those four are just like so key to understanding if you want to transition from being a Latter-day Saint to evangelical Christianity. We, we already talked a little bit about original sin, but just, just, and there, there, the thing is, is there's a lot of different understandings of original sin, but I wanted to point out that there was a poll that was made in a debate group that I'm in with a bunch of Christians. If to ask if they believed in original sin and the vast majority said, yes, and they also all agree that that means that it not only makes us sinners, that we're not only inheriting a sin nature, but also that we are inheriting the guilt of Adam as our federal head. So through him, he acted on behalf of all humanity. And through his sin, we are also held accountable. And we talked in those episodes about that through Romans 5. So I'd recommend if anybody wants more information about that to go through that chapter. And what's amazing to me is that there is a lot of agreement on that issue. And even in classical Arminianism, they agree in total depravity. They believe that we do inherit the sin nature and that we can't of our own volition choose God, that God has to give grace first. So we talked a lot about that in that episode. Um, so I think it's just great that, that as we said, there, it, Latter-day Saints, they see that Christianity is just a big confusing mess, a big hodgepodge of just agree arguments and disagreements and everything. But really, there there is a lot of agreement on a lot of these things. And there's disagreement on certain aspects of it and predestination and things like that. But ultimately, that that's not you don't need to believe in one idea or the other to be saved. What you need is to trust in the Lord Jesus and to believe in the in the and that Jesus is the eternal God, that he's the Son of God. Um, and trust in him alone for your sins. And so, and then when we get into all these other debates, it's an in-house debate, not an outhouse debate. So it's, it's debating amongst friends and brothers, brother. Oh yeah. That didn't sound, that didn't sound good. Did it? <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't think about that. Hey, uh, hey, Matthew. Uh, <laughs> <it's amazing. laughs> 
What is an outhouse debate? <laughs> I'll leave that to our listeners to decide. <laughs> You've been in a lot of those, <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do in an outhouse, right? You got extra time. <laughs> Michael, Michael had to bring up your your previous comment about God watching us while we shower. And here you come with an outhouse debate and step right in it. <laughs> you know, I was reading Proverbs and there's something in there about keeping your mind out of the gutter. It doesn't say it that way, but, but uh, I'm going to say the sins on both of your heads not on mine. Okay. I'll just, I'll, I'll throw that down. Okay. Okay. We'll take it. <laughs> okay sorry. We derailed you. We derailed you with, with calling out uh, your comment. So moving along. <laughs> no, we're, we're all good. Oh man. Um, yeah. So that was, that was kind of what I want to point out about original sin, but also scripture. I really enjoyed our in-depth discussion on scripture. It, looking back, it's crazy that we had four episodes on it and it was only our, it was our fifth or our eighth episode. So we had uh, two, two parters before then. I think the first one was what if Mormonism isn't true? And then we said, uh, what church is true then? Those were our first four episodes. And then we had a four parter on scripture. And I was like, man, the fact that we still have listeners after all that, you know, for a four part episode on scripture, they're still, they're still hanging around. It's pretty, pretty amazing. But I really enjoyed talking about that and just the importance of scripture. Because to me, as Latter-day Saint, that was, that was one of the key things too. It was not only that you need priesthood and that um, God is our heavenly father. And, you know, we need all, we need the LDS church and the ordinances and all that. But it's also that you can't really trust scripture hundred percent, that there's always going to be something in there that's missing or corrupted or whatever. That's that was, to me, that was key to LDS doctrine. And then understanding that scripture is trustworthy, that it is, it does come from God. And when we look at Jesus and his view of scripture, that it was the words of God also that started to fundamentally shift how I read scripture. I wasn't just seeing it as like, Oh, here's a thing here and there I can pluck out to prove what I already believe. It was like, Whoa, Whoa, this is the document that God has given us to give us all of the faith, all the understanding and revelation that he's given to us for us today. You know, it's, it's not just something to boost my faith or give me a testimony. I'm supposed to base my faith around this. And when you, when I had that shift, that mental shift, it just completely changed my mind about things. And so I hope, that uh, we tackled that topic faithfully and carefully enough that they'll, they'll see the importance of scripture also. So do either of you have comments on our episodes on scripture? Uh, just, just that I agree that uh, <clears throat> it is such a, an important topic to talk about. I uh, really agree with you there because when you're a Latter-day Saint, you've got everything that kind of counts as scripture. You've got your revelation, which we actually did a separate episode on revelation specifically, but all the revelation from the current prophets counts as revelation, and they've got all these, or counts as scripture, and they've got all these different books of scripture that they count, and it really feeds into their Bible reading. You know, they can't just read the Bible as a standalone book. It has to be influenced by their other uh, scriptures, and and it really just, you know, if the Bible is sufficient, if it is God's living word, then it really just changes the perspective of things uh, compared to being a Latter-day Saint. So I, I'm really, uh, I think that was a good episode too. And uh, yeah, one thing that I've noticed, I think we mentioned this in that episode, was anytime you've got another authority besides scripture, that authority usurps the scripture um, completely controls the narrative of the scripture and just takes control. And so, you know, the scripture then has no authority. And I think that's why we see so much what I like to call doctrinal drift with the LDS church, where 100 years ago, they believed different things than they do now. 
And that's because they don't have scripture anchoring them down like we do, you know, an unchanging scripture that remains the same and doesn't get new revelation. You know, it's, it's actually vital to having the same gospel all the time. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And I just want to point out there too, to comment on what you just said, Michael, um, we see that in evangelical Christianity today, or even in the past century, that when churches start to go very off the rails, what is, what is the cause of that? It's because they reject the, the, the sufficiency and the authority of scripture. They reinterpret it through modern lenses, or they say, well, that was the racist or sexist opinions of that time, but we are in a much more enlightened era now. Um, one example of that is the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I think they came out of the Southern Presbyterians, and they had a dispute about the authority of Scripture and how to interpret it, and that caused a big split. And um, so then that formed the OPC, which is a very conservative Presbyterian denomination, but then you compare that to say the PCUSA and they have a very liberal view of how to interpret and read scripture. And um, they just don't see it as something that is the controlling document or the, the controlling rule of faith, you know, the, the, the absolute infallible rule of faith. They, they see it as part of their faith and they've kind of taken other ideas and philosophies and kind of use that to, to reinterpret scripture and say, well, that was then, this is now kind of a thing. and. So when you add when you add any authority, even if they don't outright deny scripture or replace it, just saying, okay, we're going to look at scripture through this lens now, that ends up distorting scripture in a, in a sense. Um, so yeah, just the the authority of of, of scripture for and, and love, interpreting scripture is difficult. So we're going to have an episode on hermeneutics where we talk more about this because I think even for those who do have a high view of scripture, we disagree on how to interpret it, and even if we have the same hermeneutics we'll still disagree on how to interpret certain passages. So it's not always clear cut, but, um, but it's amazing to see the ones who do have a high view of scripture that we do end up agreeing on a lot of things. Uh, yeah. Paul, do you have any, uh, sorry, go ahead, Michael. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say too, because I've, I've had Latter-day Saints kind of say to me even recently, like what you're just saying, like, Oh, well you don't, you guys all read the scriptures and you interpret it differently. And I'll kind of say, yeah, but not when it comes to the essential doctrines, not if we're taking the Bible as our sole authority. Like you just said, if, if we have a high view of scripture, we actually do come out believing the same things um, on the essential doctrines, on the things that really matter. And so that whole argument does fall to pieces. But Absolutely. Let Paul go. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Paul, go ahead. I, I agree that um, that those what about scripture episodes were really important. Uh, I think it was funny what you said about uh, it's incredible that we had listeners hang on after a four part episode on uh, on uh, scripture, but uh, it really is important. And and what's interesting to me, thinking back on those episodes and thinking back on kind of LDS views of scripture, um, you know, Latter Day Saints should have a really high view of scripture, given some teachings that they receive. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of uh, a passage in the Doctrine and Covenants that, you know, when they uh, speak is moved upon by the Holy Ghost, it shall be the word of God, it shall be scripture to them, right? Um, and so a lot of, a lot of Latter-day Saints, they take that to mean that, that what their uh, prophets and apostles say uh, in general conference uh, should, be, should be viewed as scripture and that kind of thing. Um, but a lot of Latter-day Saints don't view it that way either. And it's easier for them not to view it that way because of contradictions. Uh, because as Michael was saying, what they believed 100 years ago is not what they believe today. Um, but also, if you think about, uh, you know, kind of what what teachings they receive in, in the temple endowment uh, with regards to scripture uh, and how dangerous uh, 
the philosophies of men mingled with scripture are. Uh, and, and that's kind of a, uh, a barb uh, thrown at uh, the way uh, Christians maybe view scripture or, or the way Latter-day Saints perceive Christians to view scripture. Um, and so you, you take those things and, and you think, yeah, Latter-day Saints should have a really high view of scripture. And also they have this doctrine that, that ultimately it's the uh, uh, prophet of the LDS church who has the authority to speak on behalf of God and interpret scripture rightly for them. Um, but when you really get down to brass tacks with Latter-day Saints, they, they're really all are their own authority when it comes to scripture, when you have discussions with them, um, you know, they're kind of all over the place with, with the way they approach scripture uh, while at the same time trying to, uh, you know, kind of throw it up in our face as Christians that, that you guys are, are inconsistent. Um, but like you said, Matthew, you know, on the, on the essentials, uh, even though we may have some differences in some secondary and tertiary doctrines in the essentials where we come to the same conclusions uh, based on the scripture. And um, I remember talking about uh, in those episodes. Uh, yep, never mind. I lost my thought on that one. <laughs> I was thinking something earlier and totally lost it. That's okay. Maybe it'll come back. Oh, uh, yeah. Just more, kind of more on on that uh, that the way that Latter Day Saints approach Scripture and kind of view it, like you were saying, Matthew, as as flawed in some way, right? That ultimately there's there's this higher authority, whether it be the prophet or whether it be uh, their own personal revelation from the Spirit that is their authority for how to understand scripture rightly. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very kind of postmodernist approach uh, to scripture because the words of scripture can mean anything a Latter-day Saint wants them to. Whereas as Latter-day Saints, we're, or not as, as Christians, we are, um, we're beholden to conform our doctrine to the scripture, right? And so we're, we're beholden to understand the scripture as it was given by God. Uh, and so we take very, uh, we take it to be very important to dig in and understand uh, what was meant uh, by uh, the passages of Scripture. What was what was meant by the Apostle Paul as he was preaching to uh, and writing letters to his initial hearers and readers uh, of his letters. What was what was uh, meant by Jesus as he preached um, in that culture? Uh, and so, doing the doing the hard work of uh, hermeneutics and um, an exegesis to understand what what is the doctrine that comes out of scripture rather than what is the doctrine that I put into it uh, from my preconceptions. And that, yeah, those, those, those episodes were really important. Yeah. And then just thinking back to our days in seminary and even on our mission, when we were teaching on our mission, were we really going verse by verse in a passage in the Bible and exegeting it? It was more like, here's this topic we're talking on. Okay. Here's a verse in the Bible that supports it moving on. <laughs> That's how it was for me anyway. Yeah, I was exactly the same way. I would try to find, um, <clears throat> I would just kind of explain our beliefs, and then I would try to find maybe a passage or two in the Bible, totally taken out of context that would support what I was saying, and then I would try to find one or two from the Book of Mormon in my direction. But yeah, context was never a thing that I looked at uh, in teaching. Now here's something, I'm not sure if we tackled it in that episode or not, but it's something I've thought a lot about. As a Latter-day Saint, I always looked at the Bible as, seeing exactly what I do because the restored gospel is the same through all time. So these people had the same feelings I do or understanding I do about like eternal salvation, families are forever, temple ordinances, things like that. But now as a Christian, I read it saying, okay, Peter and Paul and the apostles, they probably didn't have all the exact same ideas or beliefs or understandings as I do, you know, 
we're, we're not, we don't have to look at the Bible now and say, Oh, they're a reformed Baptist, just like me, or, you know, they're Arminians just like me, or they're Lutherans just like me. You know, what do you guys think about that? Do you have similar feelings about that? Um, yeah, I guess they hadn't invented infant baptism yet. Cause I don't remember <laughs> seeing that. <laughs> just had to throw that in there. Oh man. Our, our Presbyterian friends are going to kill us. <laughs> they're going to boycott us. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Paul? Did, did, did you get what I was the, the point I was trying to make though? You know, we don't always have to try to fit our circumstances or our understanding of everything on them and be, and then, you know, force it to, to under, to agree with what we believe nowadays. You know, I don't know. That's the kind of the point I was trying to make. Yeah. So, you, so uh, let me just kind of echo it back to you, make sure I'm understanding correctly. So what you're saying is we don't have to try to retrofit our current beliefs and the way we view things uh, culturally and societally uh, onto the Bible, right? We can mm-hmm. understand uh, the the scripture in its context, in its historical context. Is that kind of what you're going for? Yeah. And, and I think it's also just the humility of knowing that, you know, I, this is how I believe that scripture is most cohesively and coherently interpreted, but maybe I'm wrong, you know, maybe I'm wrong on some th- certain things like this. So there's a certain level of, I think, requiring a little bit of humility there. Whereas a lot of saying, it's like, nope, this is the gospel. It's the only true gospel. The, the way they, I mean, as a lot of saying, I would even try to say that the uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees had some of the gospel truth. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember uh, pointing to the Sadducees trying to confront Christ, and they're like, a man or a woman married, you know, seven brothers. Whose will she be in the resurrection? And I'm like. Oh, see, that proves that they believe in eternal marriage because they're assuming that there's going to be marriage. But I just, you know, totally gloss over the fact that they don't even believe in a resurrection. So, no, there is no consistent LDS doctrine there. But I just, I think I just sort of threw it into the scriptures when it wasn't there, if that makes sense. Same thing with, uh, with you know, Paul would talk about baptism and like kind of later on in Romans. I'm like, oh yeah, see here, he, he talks about being baptized, but but no, I don't look at the verses before that that say that Christ's righteousness is imputed at faith. You know, that totally set the context for what Christian baptism actually does and what it means uh, to try to say that Paul believed exactly as as I do. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting thought though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Latter-day Saints kind of have that, they're kind of pigeonholed into that uh, view that was... Uh, propagated by Joseph Smith, that uh, the 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 fullness of the gospel was preached to Adam and all of the patriarchs down through Abraham. Um, that that really kind of pigeonholes them into uh, a particular view of Scripture. That that you know some of the difficulties that flow out of that Michael just described pretty pretty well. I think. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to tackle more on this topic with our hermeneutics episode. It's just the thought they had. You know, it's. It, it's it's liberating to me is what I was trying to say to be like, okay, you know, I'm a fallible human. Maybe I don't have all the answers quite right, but what we do have is an infallible document, you know, the given to us by God. And we're trying to understand it and read it and, and show reverence to God by interpreting it and reading it consistently. And so maybe my views, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I appreciate both of your opinions and both of your views that, you know, that you're willing to, read and understand and, and kind of reformulate your beliefs to form to the Bible. And I'm not, I'm not hardcore set in my ways like 1689. I'm never going to, you know, that's, I'm going to live and die by that document. 
although I do, I do feel it's consistent, you know, I'm not going to live and die by it. But at the same time, from my understanding of scripture, when I read it and I compare it to scripture, I, I come back and thinking, yeah, I think this makes sense. This is consistent. So, um, but we should always be the, the rallying cry of the reformation was, uh, Semper Reformanda, which is always reforming. I think that should always, that should be not just in reference to the church, but also to us as Christians, always reforming to scripture. So there's so much more we could talk about scripture, just how important it is. But that's why I really enjoyed that episode or that series really, because it's just so fundamental and it's just so the way we look at scripture as Christians now is so differently than as Latter-day Saints. And we could write entire books about just how Latter-day Saints read scripture versus how we do now. But uh, yeah, we could probably make an entire, another four episodes on it. Who knows? But (laughs) yeah. So yeah, those are the ones I wanted to talk about. Also um, we kind of already talked about, baptism and Lord's supper i think you brought those up michael just i enjoyed going in depth on the ordinances and going through the different passages and addressing the ones that latter-day saints use to show their view of the sacraments or you know of baptism and the sacrament or the lord's supper and i tried to we one of our listeners that we mentioned before he he wishes we had an arminian view uh, i i can't really remember if we tried to put an arminian view of the baptism and the lord's supper but i tried to represent as best as i understood the confessional Lutheran understanding. And that's because I've interacted a lot with confessional Lutherans online. And so I've kind of dived into trying to understand their opinion on things because it is, it's quite interesting. It's kind of like, it's a very high view of the sacraments as compared to maybe a lot of other evangelicals. And reading that, I could see the way that they understand certain passages and it, and it kind of helped me to understand certain things in a different way. And I say, okay, I could understand it in that light. And it, it helped me personally because a lot of Reformed Baptists today don't really know the history of, of the reformed Baptist theology. They kind of have, it's, it's more of like a, they're, they, they feel like modern Baptists and then they just kind of slap tulip on top of it. But when you look in history, the reformed Baptist theology is actually quite different, especially regarding the sacraments. They had a very high sacramentology. They, they believe that the baptism and Lord's supper were effective or efficacious for salvation, but for those who have faith. So it kind of, interacting with the Lutheran view and reading the historical Reformed Baptist view, I'm like, ah, eh, they're actually not that too different. Of course, Lutherans baptize infants, but, um, but I re- yeah, I really enjoy talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper just because it's key to the Christian faith. As Latter-day Saint, I, fu- I thought that they were, they were nice, you know, when Christians had baptism in the Lord's Supper, it was nice of them to do that. But since they don't have the priesthood, they don't matter. They don't actually do anything. But as a Christian now, it's, you know, I see now that it is, they are important to us. They're vital to our faith. And, before I thought that most Christians didn't even do it. I'm like, well, you know, they believe they're saved by grace alone. Why would you even bother getting baptized? Or why would you even bother doing the Lord's supper? If you don't even need it, you know, you're already saved. So what's the point, but then really understanding why it's important to the continuing life and faith of the Christian faith and each believer it's, it's yeah. I just really enjoyed those. And I hope, hope that uh, blesses people who listen. Um, did either yeah. of you have any comments on those? Yeah. I want to jump in here. Um, share something that, that I did in kind of preparation for our first, uh, episodes on, on what about the sacraments, but didn't share it during our conversation there. Um, one of the things that I did, uh, as a seminary student, um, and, and by that, I mean, Christian seminary, not Mormon seminary. Um, but as a, as a seminary student working towards a, uh, degree in biblical studies as I, I wanted to understand, okay, if, if I'm a Protestant Christian, um, what do the Roman Catholics, what do Eastern Orthodox believe? Right. Um, because the LDS position is kind of, um, the church is organized by Christ. 
then there's an apostasy. Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy are part of that apostasy. Uh, Protestantism brings it part of the way back, but not all the way back, which is why, according to LDS views of of history, you need a uh, restoration rather than a reformation. Um, So I think it's interesting to kind of look at uh, the sacraments that are accepted by Latter-day Saints, Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, and Protestants, and then ask the question, why do Protestants have so few? So if you look at LDS sacraments, right, they've got baptism, which they say is a saving ordinance, confirmation, uh, which is the the giving of the gift of the Holy Ghost, according to Latter-day Saints, and that's a saving ordinance. Uh, they have Melchizedek priesthood organiz- ordination for males, which is also viewed as saving, um, temple washing and anointing, and uh, the endowment, which is a saving ordinance, uh, marriage sealing, which is a saving ordinance. Um, and by saving ordinance, as I mean, all of those are required for full salvation and exaltation, according to Latter-day Saint doctrine. Um, naming and blessing of children, uh, which is not essential, uh, but an ordinance that they do nonetheless. Uh, consecrating oil, uh, non-essential, but it's something that they do nonetheless. And then administering to the sick uh, and the afflicted, with it, which is also non-essential, but something that they do. Um, which are said to be all, all of these said to be priesthood ordinances. Um, Roman Catholics have baptism, which is viewed as an initiatory rite, uh, confirmation, also an initiatory rite, uh, as is the Eucharist. Um, and then they have additional uh, sacraments that are not uh, initiatory, reconciliation and penance, which is viewed as a healing uh, sacrament, anointing of the sick, which is viewed as a healing sacrament, holy orders, uh, and marriage. And uh, Eastern Orthodox view is very similar. Uh, They have baptism, which is an initiatory rite, chrismation, which is the same as confirmation in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, It's an an initiatory rite, the Eucharist. They have penance, uh, anointing of the sick. They have orders, which is like holy orders in the Roman Catholic Church, and they have marriage. Excuse me. And then when you get to Protestant views of uh, the sacraments, you have two. So Latter-day Saints have eight Roman Catholics have seven, Eastern Orthodox have seven, Protestants have two, baptism and the Lord's Supper, which are the two that we discussed in depth uh, in our episodes um, on uh, what about the sacraments redo. Um, And so it's an interesting question to look at that kind of comparison where there's eight, seven, seven, uh, and then two, and ask the question, why are there only two uh, in Protestant Christianity? it doesn't, is it logical to say more is better? <laughs> Latter-day Saints have eight. Roman Catholics have seven. Eastern Orthodox have seven. Um, so is it logical to ask that more or say more is better? I don't think it is. Why, why do Protestants have just two? Matthew, what would you say? So it really comes down to our definition as to what qualifies as a sacrament because Protestants also will ordain people to the eldership, you know, to the, to the overseership, pastors, deacons. So they have that, but if we don't consider it a sacrament, we also do have marriage, but we also don't consider that a sacrament. So the way I think that most Protestants throughout history have defined a sacrament is something that is commanded by Christ and it's for the church. So for the entire church. And so by that definition, you look at holy orders, well, or orders, well, that's not for the entire church because not everyone is made into a pastor, a deacon or a priest or whatever you want to call them. So they're not all ordained to the ministry. And you look at marriage, well, not everybody's married either. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 talks about how there are some that are called to be celibate or to lead a single life. So 
and uh, the blessings for the sick or, you know, last rites, extreme unction or whatever you want to call, uh, depending on the tradition. Those aren't for everybody either. So I think when you narrow it down to that definition, it's a sacred rite or ritual commanded by Christ for the entire church. The only ones that fit that are baptism and Lord's Supper. Exactly. And where where does it come from that it's commanded by Christ? So for baptism, I mean, you can point to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. It says, go into all the nations, uh, making disciples, baptizing them in, the, them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hope I didn't butcher that. Just off of memory. And then as far as the Lord's Supper, that would be at the uh, Last Supper with his disciples, where he said, do this in remember, remembrance of me. Now, I guess you could take that in a limited sense where he was commanding just the, the, the apostles. But since we have further revelation, like 1 Corinthians 11 and 12, uh, 10 and 11, sorry, 10 and 11, where Paul gives continuing instruction on the Lord's Supper, we see that that's not just for the disciples, but for the entire church. So that's kind of where I would point to, to show that it's commanded by Christ for all the church. Yeah. Yeah. Good. My, my point there being that, that the Protestant belief in two uh, sacraments flows from scripture. So it goes to the, the importance of uh, the Protestant call to go back to the sources, which for Christians is the scripture. Um, so even, even though Latter-day Saints claim a great apostasy and they claim that the accretions of the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches are part of that apostasy. When you, when you compare ordinances or sacraments, um, you see some of the same accretions show up in the Latter-day Saint faith, even, even though they may be called by something different. So like temple washing and anointing in terms of how it is performed with uh, being an anointing with oil is similar to chrismation in the Eastern Orthodox church. Um, so I just think it's interesting that, that, you know, the claim is made that there's an apostasy and that, that it is a taking away of things and an accretion of uh, things that don't belong um, but you see the Latter-day Saint faith adopt many of those accretions that kind of come uh, not from the Bible, but from tradition. It's, a, it's just an interesting point that I didn't bring out when we were preparing for those episodes, but I wanted to bring out now since you brought it up. You, you kind of brought some ideas to my mind too, uh, while you were saying that, Paul. I mean, if there was a, a great apostasy and the church was restored, then why are Latter-day Saints so similar to these other religions? You know, how it sounds like the apostasy didn't like really happen because there's so many similarities. You know, they have so many sacraments just like these other religions. And then why is Protestantism got so few? You know, why are we the standouts when they're the restored church and we're not? You know, why does that happen? Um, I, I just that just came to my mind while you were talking. <laughs> yeah, I can't recall. I can't recall if it was in uh, general conference or like seminary as Latter-day Saint, but I heard that basically the whole reason we needed the reformation was to just break free from the authority of the Pope. And like, that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really how it's viewed. You're right. So did either of you have any uh, more comments on our episodes on scripture or any other episode you want to bring up then? All right. looks like uh, about time to wrap up then. So yeah, thanks for joining us for this recap of our articles of faith series. Uh, there's still more to go. I didn't keep track of how many we have left to do. Two or three, it looks like. Uh, something like that. <laughs> Anyways. Did we finish our entire Articles of Faith series? Yeah, after after we uh, do the 13th tonight, we're done. Uh, okay, awesome. I was going to say, I thought that uh, maybe I just haven't uploaded them yet onto our YouTube channel. So I was looking through and I see one, two, three, four, 
five, six, eight, and 11. So I guess I'm missing a couple there. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for that series. We're, we're glad that you joined us. And uh, sorry that some of them were long-winded, but we had a lot to say about some of these topics and we're glad that you joined us. So yeah, thank you uh, also for this recap. And if you have any suggestions for episodes in the future, please let us know. Or if you feel like there's something we missed in one of these Articles of Faith episode, we would definitely be willing to go back and do another Redux episode where we kind of fill in those gaps. So uh, thank you, Fireflies, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. We thank you for tuning into this episode of the Outer Brightness Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please visit the Outer Brightness Podcast page on Facebook. Feel free to send us a message there with comments or questions by clicking send a message at the top of the page, and we would appreciate it if you give the page a like. We also have an Outer Brightness group on Facebook where you can join and interact with us and others as we discuss the podcast, past episodes, and suggestions for future episodes, etc. You can also send us an email at outerbrightness at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon. You can subscribe to the Outer Brightness podcast on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. Also, you can check out our new YouTube channel, and if you like it, be sure to do lay hands on that subscribe button and confirm it. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen and help spread the word. You can also connect with Michael the Ex-Mormon Apologist at FromWaterToWine.org, where he blogs, and sometimes Paul and Matthew do as well. Music for the Outer Brightness podcast is graciously provided by the talented Brianna Flournoy and by Adams Road. Learn more about Adams Road by visiting their ministry page at adamsroadministry.com. Stay bright, flyerflies. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God, the Word made flesh, the risen Son. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of the Lord endures
Lifting sun.